Welcome to this episode of the UK Sports Chat Podcast. How are you all? I hope you're all good. I'm your host, Joe Williams, and in this episode, I speak with Ali Bevan. Ali is author of Broken 2020, The Year Running Records Were Rewritten. The book takes an entertaining look at why 2020 was so unusual for long-distance running as so many records were broken throughout. Ali and I chat about, amongst other things, some of the stories in the book, how and why 2020 was so different for running records, and what we think the future potentially holds. Hope you enjoy the interview and see you next week. Morning, Ali. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. I've got the doms, but apart from that... Oh, right. Where have you been? Where have you been out running? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. This is This is... Doms induced by strength work in the living room. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you been doing plenty of that then, have you? Doing lockdown? Well, yeah, I've been doing some. But because of, uh, well, lockdown and winter, I'm, I'm not getting the chance to do much hill running. So I started doing these muscular endurance workouts, which mm-hmm. are kicking the crap out of me, which is what they're supposed to do, I suppose. But, yeah, you know, I'm sure in the long run I'll be glad I'm doing it. But right now. <laughs> so, what, so what are you doing? Give, it, give us an example, work out. So they're, they're, I've taken from the Training for the Uphill Athlete book, the um, yeah. Scott Johnson and Steve House and Killian Jornet yeah. book. And there's sort of off-season training for mountain runners and ski mountaineers. And it's, well, I might as well just tell you what it is, six mm. sets of 10 of box steps, lunges, jump split squats, yeah. and jump squats. Yeah, they're killers. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the first time, it's nasty because the difficulty of the exercises is really back-loaded. So you go through the box steps and the lunges and you think, I don't think this is doing very much. I should have added weight, I should have done this, I should have done that. And then as you progress through the last two exercises, you suddenly realise that getting out of bed in the morning is going to be a struggle. Yeah, yeah. I've I've made the mistake of adding weight to lunges in the past and I only just used to use a bar, but I'd, the, the next day my hamstrings would be like, yeah, why have you done that? <laughs> I think with any with any new strength training exercise, I mean the the time to assess how difficult it is is two days later. Yeah, you're feeling at the time probably less reliable. Yeah, exactly. The dreaded DOMS. <laughs> so whereabouts whereabouts are you? Uh, I am in Granton on Spain. So just just up the road from Abbey Moor in the in the Cairngorms, pretty oh, much. Okay, so are you getting out much then, or not? Um, I mean, I'm getting out every day. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I haven't run on dry trails yet this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, looking outside now it is somehow simultaneously pissing with rain and snowing. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know how that works. But that combined with the doms, my enthusiasm for going running today is pretty low. So the longer we can drag this out, the better. Really. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say with the the storm happening for everyone listening, it's Thursday morning, so it's uh, we're recording. So you've got the storm quite bad up there, haven't you? Yeah, it's been a really weird winter so far. It's been really calm. This is the first like stormy day that I can remember. Hmm. So I mean, I guess it. it going to happen eventually isn't it yeah yeah and it's january in the highlands it feels silly to complain that it's <laughs> windy uh, cool okay so and um, so um t- tell us tell us about the book give us a, a top line about the book please 
Well, I have a copy right here because I don't trust myself to remember. <laughs> um, uh, the book is called Broken. Mm-hmm. Um, 2020, the year running records were rewritten. Yeah. Uh, published by Vertebrate Publishing in Sheffield. Very kindly let me haver on about my favourite subject for 50,000 words. Mm-hmm. Very kind of them. Cool. Um, it is... It is what it sounds like. It is about a lot of the hill running, mostly hill running, some not hill running, mm-hmm. uh, records that were broken last summer. Yeah. Cool. So it's, it's it's all about the last twelve months. So is so is this was this something that you already had planned to write, or was it or was it something that came to you, you now as a, as a new idea? Um. <laughs> It didn't even come to me as a new idea. Okay. Um, uh, the the idea for the book um, came from Kirsty uh, Kirsty Reed, who is a publishing uh, commissioning editor. Sorry for for mm-hmm. her. Um, and I know Kirsty through. I don't even know running somehow or other. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she knew that I'd been spending quite a lot of my furlough time staring at. GPS trackers on my laptop instead of actually going out and running. Um, So she thought that I would be well placed to write about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I already had a bunch of ideas of things I wanted to write. I didn't know where I was going to put them. Um, And I was also, I was getting out and running with a fair few people who were out attempting to break various records. And so I had some sort of first-hand accounts of, of, of what it's like for mm-hmm. these kinds of people, which is, is sometimes something that is, is missing in the coverage of this stuff. I, I, I was very conscious that I didn't want to write, you know, like a series of news articles. I wanted there to be a bit more, um, a bit more depth to it than that, a bit more nitty-gritty, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so I'm. My confession is I'm on chapter two at the moment, but you've already, <laughs> but you've um, you've already mentioned within the book about dot watching on the GPS, um, and you can sense your interest in in others. So with, with Kirsty approaching you, it, is that something that that you're interested in as much as your own running? Then is seeing other people, you know, achieving these things and completing these challenges. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm. A bit of a fan, yeah. <laughs> I guess a bit of an anorak, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I just find it very interesting, like the way that the way that these things develop, the history of some of these records, and you know now the standard a lot of this stuff is really quite high. Mm-hmm. You know the people, the people who feature most prominently in the book are pretty serious athletes. Mm-hmm. They're not just like um, they're not just people who show up with a rucksack full of sandwiches and give it a bash there's there's a bit more a bit more rigor to their preparation than that Mm -hmm. cool okay so tell us tell us more about the book then tell tell us more about the challenges and the and specifically fkt you know fastest known times um well there's a range of things in there um initially when I sat down to start writing the book, I decided that I, uh, I didn't want it to be solely comprised of really long stuff. I wanted it to be a bit more accessible. So if there was 
there was stuff in there that people who were not mega athletes could go out and have a go at. Um, and I completely failed to do that. It is mostly full of pretty long stuff. Like the shortest thing in there, um, time-wise, I think, is the Bob Graham, Beth Pascal's Bob Graham. Yeah. Um, it's pretty hill-running heavy, um, but there's also um, some stuff about Land's End to John O'Groats. I went and shuffled along the side of a dual carriageway with Dan Lawson for a few hours on a Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few a few people who have slightly different perspectives. So there's... Um, a chapter where I talked to uh, Nikki Ligo, who is uh, claims she is not a runner and knows nothing about ultra running, but actually knows more about it than, than most people in the sport. She was John Kelly's crew for the Pennine Way, mm-hmm. um, and she is something of a fixture on the Spine Race as well, the support team on that. Yeah. And then there's there's a, a gentleman at the end who may be my favourite person in the book, a guy called Stephen Poulton, who. Uh, cycled the three peaks from um, Snowden and Scaffold Bike in Ben Nevis 40 years ago um, and then did it again this year in his 70s sleeping in ditches and service station car parks and stuff he's, he's wow fantastic. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so so for those who, who, who listen to this who who don't know what these what these records are for example Let, let's just go through a couple of that you've mentioned there what what is a bob graham round <laughs> okay um <laughs> so the, the, the bob graham round is a circuit of 42 peaks in the lake district mm-hmm. um it was done in the 30s uh by a guy called bob graham unsurprisingly yeah and at the, at the time it was the lakeland 24-hour record so it was the most hills that someone had run up in the Lake District mm-hmm. in a day. And it's been surpassed quite significantly since then. Kim Collison ran 77, 78. I can't remember this, this, this summer. But for whatever reason, it's, it's caught on. It's a really good balance of challenge and achievability, if that's, yeah. if that's a word. So now, you know, 2,000 and something people have done it. And it's, I, I guess it's, it's the, the best known hill running challenge in the UK. Yeah. One of the best known in the world, actually. Like people come from all over to do it now. Mm-hmm. People from the States and people from all over Europe and yeah. And, and that one's had quite a bit of press in the last few years because the record was broken twice, wasn't it? I think, was it, was it 2015, 2016, something like that? It was broken by Jasmine and then. Yeah, Jasmine broke the women's record in 2016, and then was it, oh, was it 2018 that Killian broke the men's record? Mm. And that was a men's record that had stood for 30 years. Yeah. It had been held by Billy Bland, who is one of the great fell runners. For some people's money, the great fell runner. Um, and, and had been regarded as untouchable, pretty much. No one had, I, I don't know if anyone had ever actually set out to try and break it. Mm-hmm. People have tried to run fast times, but this was this record was on a pedestal that no one no one even thought to try. So when that got broken, that was that was pretty big news. Mm-hmm. And and then the, the the story specifically within the book for this Bob Graham round was with Beth. Yeah, Beth Pascal. Mm-hmm. Beth's really interesting actually, because she's one of the people who is very open about the fact that she was only doing this because there was no racing. Usually, 
she, this year she was going to run Western States 100 mile race in California and UTMB, which is which is UTMB. I don't mm-hmm. know if people know what that is. Um, yes. And and that would be the pattern of her season indefinitely. Really, she would she would always prefer racing because she's quite competitive and because she feels like that's where you get to test yourself against the highest standard of opposition. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's 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 also a good a good demonstration of what I suppose what happened this year, where you have all these international caliber athletes with mm-hmm. time on their hands and with no races to train for, and they turn their attention to these things, and all of a sudden, Jasmine's Bob Graham record, which was seen as incredibly strong, almost in the same league as Billy Bland's record was. Uh, been broken by 50 minutes mm-hmm. which is a massive margin yes um yeah okay so um how how involved do you did you did you get in that is that you know did you go along crew or was that something um, that... I, with with i wasn't involved in bess mm-hmm. directly um I, I spoke to her about it afterwards i knew it was going to happen i think i knew someone who would mm-hmm. pace me for her but her her run actually was um not not really publicized ahead of time which these days is kind of unusual and quite refreshing actually like there was no gps tracker there was no like instagram or twitter hype or yep. anything like that she just went out and got on with it and did it which which in a way made it all the more impressive right because you you're not following along you're not there, there are no expectations. You just see that it's done. Yeah, it's 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 a surprise. Yeah, that takes some internal drive to do that, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so um, you mentioned the Spine Race and the Pennine Way. Do you want to give us a, an overview of what they are for those who might not know? Uh, well, the Pennine Way is how long's the Pennine Way? Two hundred and sixty something miles. No way. <laughs> yeah, from from Edale to Kirk Yetham. I think it's the it was the first national trail in the UK or something like that. And the, the Spine Race is a race which has been going on for um must be nearly ten years now. Uh which goes up the Pennine Way in January. Um in, in the middle of winter mm-hmm. and is um yeah. Has has a I suspect a justified reputation for being quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's dark for you know sixteen hours or whatever it might be, and, and underfoot conditions can be horrendous. Like it's 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 the Pennine Way is very boggy in summer. Yeah, in winter it's it's even worse. But um, the record on the Pennine Way was another of these uh, very old records. It was set in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. And a few people had tried, but no one had really got close. And then this year it was broken in uh, twice in a week, twice in 10 days, something like that, yeah. by um, John Kelly and, and, and Damien Hall. Um, and then later in the summer, actually, uh, the, there was a woman's record which was established. There wasn't really... An existing women's record before, but Sabrina Vergy went and ran it um, in just over three days, I think. 
which was kind of remarkable. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you go about choosing, well, how, sorry, let me go back one. How, how many stories are there in the book and, and how, how did you go about choosing which ones you wanted to include and, um, and, and how did you get involved in them? Um, I, I guess there's about about ten different ten different runs that are that are in there. Yeah. Um, most of the ones that I was directly involved in are, are things which were relatively close to my house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 most of them, I should say, like most of the people I went out and ran with are people that I know or I know their crew. So I I, I guess I'm not <laughs> nice enough or mercenary enough. To just go out and foist myself upon people so I can write about them in my book. Yeah. Um, but I, um, like the Lions End of John Groats, that that passes quite close to a lot of people's houses because it's however many hundred kilometres long. Yeah. yeah. And then, like with Donny Campbell, there are, there are two chapters about Donny Campbell's Monroe Round because it was just so big. You know, it took him thirty two days. Yeah, I went and did a day with him in the Cairngorms, um, and then choosing who else I wanted to talk to. People I thought would be interesting. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, people for whom there was there was maybe a little bit more than just someone who went out and ran fast, because I guess there's only there's only so much that can be said about about something like that but with with all of it the backdrop is pandemic you know and 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 the changes in people's lives that come about because of that people who had full international race calendars who are all of a sudden doing obscure things on their doorstep yeah and like some of the history of those obscure things is really interesting and quite funny because that there's um the woman on the cover actually joe meek Mm -hmm. ran a hundred k round on Dartmoor of twenty eight of the tours up there, which before this year had only been done four times before. You know, it was this thing that kind of not many people even knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this year it's had. Uh, I mean, the number of completions has tripled. Yeah, just one guy did it three times. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. because you can't go and race anywhere. You stay closer to home, and it's interesting to think about how much of that behaviour change will stick if yes. and when we once again have the option to go and race in the Alps or the Pyrenees or wherever. Yeah. Um, whether people will value the things that are on their doorstep a bit more, how it marries up with people's growing awareness of like the environmental damage of travelling to races, something you hear more and more people talk about. Yes. So if you can, you know, drive half an hour down the road instead of, you know, taking a flight, then so much the better, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, and you're opening chapters about this. You know, you you um you summarised the the year really well. Um, you know, you talk about how the virtual events kicked in after all the um, after all the event cancellations. You've really balanced um, view on on how runners perceive these virtual events and 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 also how it's impacted event directors. Mm. It was I was actually 
very interesting conversation I had with James Elson, who uh, runs Centurion Running, fifteen hundred mile races. Yeah. And initially, I, I would have been as cynical as anyone about virtual events. Mm-hmm. I suppose, like virtual races, they're not races, mm-hmm. and you know, like it's all the upsides and no, sorry, none of the upsides and all the downsides of racing. So, like, there's all these like race t-shirts and medals that are going to end up in landfill one day and you don't actually get the social experience of racing or the competition or any of these things and so i was very much in that this is a load of bullshit camp but actually this year in particular it's been a lifeline for race directors and events companies yeah like particularly like your local 10 mile road race is probably put on by the local club and it's run by volunteers but a lot of the bigger ultras yeah. are put on by professional event companies because there's so much to 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 do. <laughs> like yeah. They're so sprawling. There's so much that needs to be coordinated, like permissions and facilities and all this stuff. Yeah, you, you, it has to be someone's full time job. And so, actually, I've, I've I've come around to seeing the virtual events as a way that people can support the race directors mm-hmm. and if people don't support the race directors and the events companies then there won't be any races yeah you know when travel restrictions are lifted and we can go back to doing whatever we like there won't be anything to do because everyone's gone out of business yeah and you see you know a lot of the some of the big races that had to cancel and could only give partial refunds to staff and people complaining about that and i, I mean i have sympathy for people who've lost a bunch of money on race entry fees but on the other hand at, at least one events company that put on big international races has gone bust this year yeah because of the the need they felt to try and give people more money back so yeah i mean it, it at a very selfish level it'd be nice to get all your money back and to just do your own thing and steer yeah. at virtual racing but in terms of the future viability of the sport it, it probably is necessary to have a slightly more empathetic view towards the people who arrange it yeah 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 i mean there's a there are a lot of costs that go out for for event organizers you know way in advance of of, of the events even taking place um but yeah, yeah. I, like your yeah. entry fee isn't just paying for a sliced bananas at the aid station Mm-hmm. Right. Like they've got salaries to pay, they've got office space that they rent, mm-hmm. you know, all this, all this money that they can't get back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how do you think this is going to play out for the industry as a whole? Um, you know, you you mentioned the ten mile road races that clubs run there. Do you think that there's potential that some clubs might might not want to take the risk? You know, closing roads is expensive. You know, dealing with councils all the time that goes into them, I, they they might not want to take that risk moving forward. Um, with everything that's gone on, you know, will people want to go out and and and, and run on roads as tightly packed in like they were? Will, um, would they prefer? Are we going to see a, a, a boom in the trail events because people want to be out spread out further, you know, apart from each other? What would you think? It's hard to know, isn't it? Mm. I think like different different parts of the sport will be impacted in different ways. I think mm. in in Europe and 
definitely in the UK we're we're a very very long way away from ever having like big city marathons again. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to have forty thousand people cheat by jowl in some London park waiting to run twenty six miles. Mm-hmm. You look at a lot of like hill races and fell races, and you'd maybe be more optimistic about those because there's just fewer people. You know, your average hill race probably has a I don't know, a hundred people at it, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, like I was really excited about the North District cross country season this summer this summer, this winter. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, there's bugger all people there. Everyone's getting changed under a tree in the park. We're all like <laughs> So you you'd think that, that can that can make a return. Yeah. yeah it's hard to know because the, there's there's that part of it. There's the viability of the event itself from a transmission risk point of view, but there's also the commercial part. Right? Yeah. And, you know, you could put on, you know, a comparatively COVID safe London marathon for a few hundred people, mm-hmm. but that's not going to happen because financially it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even, even some of the bigger trail races, like, there's not going to be 2,000 people on the start line of UTMB this year. Or, I mean, I'd be very surprised if there was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, don't, I don't really know. Yeah. I my, my, I, I think we could, the, the trail events were already, you know, take, not taking over road running, but they were, they were very much growing, weren't they, in terms of oh, yeah. Yeah. people wanting to do them. And I, I, I think that we could see more people wanting to do those and um and sadly I, I it's my personal opinion I, I think that some road races won't potentially won't return for, for both of the reasons like you say for commercially and just how viable they are for for safety yeah. but I, I, you know hopefully not but, um and it's, it's interesting to think about what like what aspect of the race experience people are most fussed about mm-hmm you know, like um, James, the Centurion running crowd, mm-hmm. they put on a few races this year and they had, you know, like start waves of 10 people every however many minutes or, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. And for a lot of people, that's that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's probably going to bother the racing snakes more than it will bother, like, your mid-packers. Yes. Who, who get get pretty much the same running experience without all the jostling in the elbows at the start. Like, it's probably a win mm-hmm. for, for some people. Yeah. But, like, really competitive folk, like, they want to be real-time racing, everyone on the start line at the same time. Maybe that's more off-putting for them. Yeah. Perhaps. But then, I, I guess it, it'll probably feeds the growing popularity of things like the Bob Graham and people going off and trying to yeah. break records on their own, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so j- just just tell us about the fastest known times that that's because that's mentioned at the start of the book, isn't it? Because that's the, these have um, exploded really, haven't they? So in the last twelve months. Yeah, yeah. Um, people people keep asking me to define what fastest known times are, and I never really know what to say because it's, <laughs> it's quite a self-explanatory term. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it it it, I, I, it came from sort of American long trails mm-hmm. scene in like the late nineties, early two thousands, I think. Yeah. Um, and and the 
the known part is in there because guys were going out and running whatever it might be, the John Muir Trail in Yosemite or the Colorado Trail or whatever. Mm-hmm. And because of the difficulty of finding information about these things, they weren't actually sure if what they'd done was the fastest time. Like They'd phone up someone that they thought would know and that person was kind of unsure and all the rest yep. of it. Um, and so in a way, the, is it an acronym? No, it's an initialism. Is is becoming less and less relevant, right? Because there's so much more information out there now. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to find out what the yeah. routes are, what the times are, all this sort of stuff that the sort of deniability that is built into the FKT is um, not really not really necessary. But um, it, it, they're generally on trails. Yeah. We'll be doing these things, link ups of certain mountains like the Bob Graham or long trails like the Pennine Way. Um, although also on the roads, Lands End to John O'Groats. Yep. And I did the, the FKT bit gets some people's backs up because, you know, the history of this stuff in the UK is, is much, much older than, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. The yeah. Wakeland 24 hour record has been around since 18 whatever. The Pennine Way record has been there pretty much as long as the Pennine Way has. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people think it's an imposition and an Americanism. And why can't we just call them records? Which is a point of view I have some sympathy with. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think I, I think I say so in the book that. Um, you do. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just don't really care, ultimately. Like, I give it a lot of thought and I'm like, I just. I, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of nitpicky. Yeah, yeah, that paragraph made me made me laugh. <laughs> uh, and I did, even before last year, um, these things have been getting more popular, and part of that is um, the, the growth of the sport in general. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the number of applications for races like UTMB or Western States or the West Highland Way race has been going up, mm-hmm. and the trend of Bob Graham finishes, for example, has, has been following that. It's also to do with how much easier it is now to find this information. There are countless websites out there that will give you GPS files mm-hmm. that will tell you what the time limits are. We'll have like split calculators so you know exactly how you're doing, all that sort of thing. But then obviously last year, no racing, travel restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the depth of record setting last year was just ridiculous mm-hmm. but there was the um the the fell running association give out a long distance award every year which is for this sort of thing long distance achievement outside of racing and the short list last year i mean it wasn't particularly short yeah <laughs> and, and you know in any normal year anything on the list would have been a, a fairly obvious candidate to win it and there would only have been you know three or four runs on the short list but there were a dozen and a dozen more that could have been on there yeah and it's it's i, th- I think because i spent so much time thinking about it and reading about it and writing about it you you, you kind of end up buried in it and and i occasionally would have to remind myself to step back and and look at 
everything that had happened. And, and it was overwhelming. Like, both Lakeland 24-hour records, men's and women's, with 24-hour Monroe records, both Bob, not both Bob Graham records, but there was records on all the big rounds, Bob Graham, Ramsey's round in Oak Harbor, mm-hmm. Paddy Buckley in Snowdonia. Um, it, yeah, I could, I'd be here all day. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. And it's it was it was wild. Mm. It's like you you said in the in the first paragraph though it was um the the pandemic brought about the opportunity for for those who wanted to to actually live like a full-time athlete for the first time it gave them the the, the extra time to be able yeah. to you know from March to train for these things and in, in the summer. Yeah, I mean it's 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 um, it's quite interesting. I I spoke to a lot of people about how this year had been different, and you know, one thing that obviously came up again and again was that they had less racing, right? Mm-hmm. So they could train more consistently. Yeah. And someone like Kim Collison, who broke the uh, Lakeland twenty four hour record, he was saying that in March he sort of took a step back. Right? What are my weaknesses? What do I not do enough of? Okay, I'll start here doing like short hill reps. Mm-hmm. And then build from there, and then by the time July came along, he was in the shape of his life mm-hmm. because he just had uninterrupted training. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I mean, part of his job, he does like guided runs in the Lake District, takes punters up to Flancastra and Haldellan and wherever. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't doing that, which meant that a load of sort of junk miles for him were eliminated. He could focus on quality, on training really hard. Yeah. And so you would think. That in future, Kim would try and replicate that sort of structure to his year. Yeah. He would race less so he could train more consistently so that when he did race, he'd be in better shape. But you ask him about it, and he kind of hums and haws a bit and ultimately says, No, actually, I quite like racing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is a theme. You know, Joe Meek says the same thing. And I guess it's, it's partly. The fun of racing, the fun of going to different places, seeing different things. Yeah, and it's it's really funny. I I I really quite like it. Yeah, people the people have that sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, the people you're quoting, Ali, are, are real serious, you know, runners. But this, what you're describing, is the same right the way down to people who are just completing couch to five k. It's it's Absolutely. the same. It's yeah. the same thing. Um, yeah, they they'll they'll um they'll go out book book a race in every other week um and you know because they enjoy the the bits that you describe in the first part of the book it's the it's the race buzz it's the people it's the socialising um and a lot of those things like working on your weaknesses and taking a step back and having less races it can go out the window. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. Hmm. Have you um? Any any plans for a follow up after writing this one? Well, I mean, it's, in- <laughs> it's looking increasingly likely that I could just write like, <laughs> a cookie cutter second edition, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd I'd love to. I guess you just need to wait and see what happens. Yeah. I suppose. Um, I mean, I know. I know what some people have planned for this year. Yeah. Some very interesting things, some quite mm-hmm. audacious things, but yeah, I mean, there's potential for more while, this year, isn't there? Oh yeah, for mm-hmm. a while I thought that maybe, you know, there was this 
massive uptake and interest in this stuff last year, maybe there would be the sort of reflection of that this year if racing was back on. Uh-huh. People would be mad keen to do nothing but races because they'd had their fill of trudging through the hills on their own. But um, yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I don't think that's gonna that's gonna happen for for regrettable reasons. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I it, I. Watch this space. Interesting to think about what could happen this year that might top what happened last year. Mm-hmm. I I struggle to see where where it can go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see. Um, so so the book's out now. Yep, yep, it is out now. Um, buy it from your local bookshop, I guess, or you can get it direct from Vertebrate Publishing. Yeah, absolutely insist you can get it from Jeff Bezos, but I don't know. I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> that's that's broken. Twenty twenty, the year running records were rewritten. Um, Ali, thank thanks very much for coming on and and chatting to us. It's been great. No pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs>